Hey everyone, before we start this week's episode of the Listening Podcast, just wanted to give the usual weekly reminders to throw us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear, and give us a follow on Twitter, at ListeningPod. Thanks, let's start the show. It's episode 74 of the Listen In Podcast. We are coming at you live from the studio. It's Jake and Sean. Uh, episode 74, Jake, 1974. What were some major albums that came out in 1974? Uh, 74, we had 461 Ocean Boulevard by Eric Clapton, which is something I've always meant to listen to. It's considered like his best album. Here's the thing about Eric Clapton. Um, I feel like that album would be overrated. What, it, what is even on that? Heaven um, Tonight? Let's take a look. Layla Acoustic Version, which let's, is maybe my favorite Eric Clapton song. Let's take a look-see. It has... I Shot the Sheriff. Oh, okay. Cocaine? Um, I don't see cocaine. Okay. Motherless Children, Give Me Strength, Willie in the Hand Drive, Get Ready, I Shot the Sheriff, I Can't Hold Out, Please Be With Me, Let It Grow, Steady Rolling Man, and Mainline Florida. You know, you know what's crazy about that? The only one that I know how it actually goes is I Shot the Sheriff. Me too. I didn't know so. a single other. Queen 2 came out, the second Queen okay. album. Um, you got Taking Tiger Mountain by Strategy by Brian Eno. On the Beach by Neil Young. That's Ooh, a big one. Yep. John Lennon put out Walls and Bridges. Graham Parsons put out Grievous Angel. I'm trying to see if this... Sounds like kind of a weak year. Yeah, I think in 74, uh, uh, Veed and Fleece by Van Morrison. I don't know. I'm looking for any that are... We've had Chicago each episode. Chicago 7 came out. <laughs> In 1974. Chicago 2 had only just come out in 72. Right, so. yeah, they pulled the CCR. Odds and Sods by The Who. Yeah, 74. Yeah, Not that's a rough year. year. What was going on? I'll tell you what was going on. Watergate was uh, uh, right. sweeping the nation, Jake. That's why you didn't see a lot of cultural output. You had Nixon resigning yep. or after his impeachment, uh, and you had Gerald Ford taking over. So that what? was what was happening in 1974. So artists probably out of respect for, for Nixon, for Nixon yeah. who they all love. Exactly. Um, they, decided, they, you know, it's not that's not the year for took us. Took it to, easy on. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we come to you in this episode with some heavy hearts, a couple news items that are music related that happened this past week. The first one, just last night actually, was the the news out of Manchester, England about the terrorist attack at the Ariana Grande show that happened. I think there's over 20 people dead I think it's 22. from that. It's 22, um, I think. Terrible, terrible tragedy. Ariana Grande has suspended the rest of her European tour off of this. Um, obviously, Jake, this is very sad news, not only for the, the, the family and the people who this directly affected, but I think the music community in general is feeling this because... Concerts and live music is meant to be kind of a safe, fun, happy place. Yeah. And to have... Especially a pop concert. Where there's lots of children, young adults, teenagers. Um, I was reading a tweet. I, I think it was from... Stephen Hyden actually, he's like, some of the most innocent music fans are kids and teenagers. And best, he said. And, and best. And, and I, I couldn't agree more. And to have that safe space and that experience broken by something like this is really, really sad. I think this is going to be something that is felt across the music community. Yeah, so one thing that is striking me as particularly sad and upsetting about this is that I have enough frame of reference to compare this to another one of these yeah. attacks. Um, and it reminds me of when uh, in Aurora, Colorado, there was the movie theater shooting. Yep. And a lot of the response after that, what was that, five years ago now almost? Dude, it was no. July yeah. of 2012. Yeah. So yeah. almost five years. And in response, a lot of people who are in the movie business or write about movies are, are actors or directors. They say, like, you know, the theater is like a sacred place to right. me. And for someone to desecrate it like this is crazy. And, yeah. and, and, and even more upsetting than just the loss of life. And I feel like I've seen some of that reaction about the, the, the Stephen Hyden tweet you mentioned is what specifically reminded me of that. I, I feel like the most unfortunate thing is that. Now this has happened a couple of times. There's the Paris one at the... Uh, right. I uh, forget what, what band was that. It was Eagles, Eagles of, of Death Metal. Eagles of Death yeah, Metal, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean, I guess the thing for me, uh, when this news broke, I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw it, and I, I hate to admit this, 
I wasn't surprised. I wasn't shocked. I was just like, oh, another another event like this happened. Of course it did. Like, yeah. and it's not even surprising anymore. And it's hard. I think, especially if you're so far removed from a different country, it just is another one of those events that you see pop up on your Twitter feed, social media, the news, whatever it might be. <clears throat> and we're so, I think, just we get a lot of this news too much and it becomes hard to even contextualize what happened before you move on to what the next thing is. I agree. And I think that that in some ways is the saddest thing about it is that for the most part, we've grown so accustomed to seeing this kind of violence happen um, that it isn't really shocking anymore. There's always a part of me that's like a little taken aback, but I agree. I saw it and at first, I mean, I am always interested in reading the feed and like seeing what actually happened and like there's compassion there, but there is a sense of like, well, I can't get too invested in this. Kind of keeps happening. It's going to happen again in two weeks. And I think you know, you bringing up the Aurora shooting is a good example because this. I think both of these situations kind of hit close to home for both of us. Not only do we obviously love going to movies, we worked at a movie theater during that time. Yeah, and that was kind of a weird thing to experience after the fact. And there were people who were definitely on edge about that. And I think. Including me. Yeah, we both were. We, we talked about it at that time. And I think it's kind of the same thing with... We go to a lot of live music. We go to a lot of concerts. We're going to one this weekend with Boston Calling. That You can't help but have that in the back of your mind. It's not going to stop me from going or enjoying it or whatever it might be. But of course it's going to be in the back of your mind the whole time. The other thing about what's happening with, with these types of attacks, like shootings or bombings, whatever they are. This was a bombing, it seemed, yeah. right? An explosion. Yeah. Um, the the way stuff like Snapchat and Instagram and just immediate social media interaction has mm-hmm. changed the way this all looks and how personal it gets. Like one of the first things I saw when I was scrolling through the Twitter sort of moment on this, there was someone's I think it was like a Snapchat or something they uploaded to Twitter later of this girl like and it was like if you've ever been to a stadium concert and you're on the floor like it, it, it looked like that point in the concert where everyone's filing out yeah and and the lights are up and it's just these this girl filming with one of her friends and there's a huge explosion and ev- like you just see like the fear in everybody and they're right. like oh my god what what was that and right. you see people start to pour back in through the wow. like through where the um i don't know what you call them like basically where people come into their seats right. up in the bowl of the arena right. it just like that kind of like firsthand footage is sort of it's, a relatively new thing. It is. It's terrifying, and you get so many different angles of it. And I don't know, man. Just yeah, I think you make a good point about the social media stuff. Not only does it give you a different perspective on what actually happened there, everyone has a take on it immediately, and yep. you see all of the different perspectives and, and points of view. And I don't know that it's the healthiest way to take this news because, again, you. People like me are like, well, this. I feel like this happens every other week. I can't get too worked up over it. And, and I don't know that that's the best reaction to have. As like, I think we do that as a tendency to protect ourselves against this because it's scary and it's upsetting. And if you let yourself get too upset about it, you're going to just be in a constant state of, of fear. Um, I think it's a defense mechanism for absolutely. sure. I mean, yeah. how can you help that? Right. Because it does just feel like it's going to happen again soon because... Sadly, it's kind of just the way of the world. Yeah, yeah. And that's really upsetting, and it it really, really sucks to have this happen to people. And it does feel like, like, what can you do? Uh, Yeah. That makes it hard to react in a way that feels appropriate. It does. Um, Because you know you're powerless to stop that from happening at all. There's literally nothing you can do. Yeah, I mean, and especially with, I mean, I think ISIS claimed they did this. I don't know if that's verified. They did, yeah. But especially with something like ISIS, like a force like that, like they're not bound to any country. They're not bound to right. their. It's an ideology. It's a right. radical ideology that is all around the world and is spread online. And that's like a new kind of scary. Yes, it, it is. It's terrifying. Not to dive too deep into the no, but I, you know, I, I think it's a a relevant conversation to have as as music fans. Um, yeah. that that kind of safe space has been. Um, infracted upon. I yeah, guess. and whenever I see the the footage, I'm like, I'm at concerts all the, all time. the time. Like, what would I do? Right. If I were faced with this situation, right. assuming I like lived or survived right. through the initial blast or through right. the initial attack. Did, let me ask you: Does this 
worry you at all as a concert goer? Because, I mean, we're going to Boston Calling. It's going to be really crowded. There's like 20,000 people who are going to be there, like the same size as one of these arena shows. I know. It's in, and it's interesting you, you brought that we brought up the um, uh, the Dark Knight Aurora, yeah. Colorado shooting because it they these are similar for us in that at that point in our life, like you said, we were working in a movie theater. I remember with within the next two days, I went and saw this in theaters and intentionally went to a morning show because I knew it wouldn't be busy. Right. And I was just like, I just feel more comfortable with that. I was right. like, I don't want to go to one that's packed because who knows what people might think. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting that now this week we have this music festival we're going to. It's right. a similar type of vibe. I I don't think I'm going to be as really worried. Right. But who knows? I mean, maybe I will. I mean, I'll be on edge for sure. Yeah, it's going to be in the back of your head. Uh, That's interesting. It will be in the yeah. back of my head. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, really, really sad situation, though. Uh, another sad situation that we had uh, this past week was the passing of Chris Cornell, the lead singer of Soundgarden, Audio Slave, um, some other musical projects. Solo work. Solo artist, Temple of the Dog, etc., um, so he passed. One of the big figureheads of the grunge era happened to I confirmed suicide at this point, right? Seems to be some maybe some complications with anxiety meds, where he maybe wasn't yeah. in his right mind. It uh, sounds like his wife has disputed the claims of the suicide, but I think that's a relatively common mm. um, reaction for loved ones or someone who was close to you someone. You don't want to believe. You don't want to believe it, it could be a suicide. Yeah, she yeah. did say. I read something earlier that. He was on the phone with it was I guess the night of a show in Detroit. It was yeah yeah. And he called her and it was like slurring his speech yep. and she was concerned by that so she called I think the hotel security or yes. someone to like check on him. Yeah. Um, and then they yeah they found him dead. Um, really really sad and it's I, I've heard this sentiment a lot where you know with people like Eddie Vedder or or Chris Cornell in this case you feel like they got out of. The 90s. They came out unscathed. Yeah. So many of their contemporaries did not. Um, and it feels like they're like, all right, they got to a good point in their life. But, you know, I think this just kind of goes to show no matter what, you, you kind of always maybe deal with, with that stuff. And you don't ever get to a point where you're like, you're good, you're all set. Yeah, as it's always weird to me as a cultural moment, not to trivialize this in any way, but when someone of this stature dies... It's always weird in the immediate aftermath to have that thought like, oh, like that person is dead now. They're right. gone. It's always this weird, even if like, so Chris Cornell is not an especially important musician to me. I like some of his music, but in that immediate aftermath, it always feels somehow weird that that person's now dead and doesn't really make sense. And then right. with a little bit of time and context, it starts to just become right. normal to you. But in the right. immediate aftermath, I always sort of feel like it, it doesn't make sense somehow or right. something. Right, right. So I think you bring up a good point where you, I mean, you, you mentioned that you weren't, he's not particularly that important to you as a musician. Relatively I, speaking. No, and I agree. I think this is a good thing as people who are younger than what maybe the Target Soundgarden or Chris Cornell fan base was. I think we were, we kind of missed that Soundgarden crescendo. For me, at least, I... What resonates most with me is the audio slave work that he did. Yeah, and so uh, we had a moment on Twitter after with Big Friend of the Pod, Hunter. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking about Chris Cornell's death and all that. And basically, yeah, it's the same for me where uh, audio slave was my first exposure to him. I think I was, tw well, actually, I might have been 10 or 11 when that album came out. It came out in 2002. By the time I knew what it was, I think it was sixth, seventh grade, something yeah. like that. And I mean, I really liked that album, and it's important to me, even though looking back now, I realize it got critically destroyed. Yeah. I don't really care about that. Right. There's a lot of really good songs on it. I mean, ultimately, the thing that is that lasts the most for me about Chris Cornell is, like, that dude just had such a fucking good voice. Amazing voice. Amazing. He had, I guess he had a four-octave range. Yeah. And he, could, he was really dynamic as a singer. Like, he could do those screams where he's really high up. He, he also had, like, a really, like, sort of... Soulful mm. lower end mm -hmm. of his vocal range, where when he's singing in that lower register, it it really really worked. Um, he was just a talent, and I didn't really. It's sad that this happens so often with these kind of deaths, but yeah. I didn't really understand the full impact of Soundgarden until now, and right. I didn't realize that like they're actually they were pretty important. Yeah, I think I knew that, but didn't really contextualize it fully. Right. 
today I took a, I gave a listen to Super Unknown, yeah. that album with Black Hole Sun and Spoon Man and Fell on Black Days. It's really, really good. Yeah. I mean, it, it's good stuff. And, I mean, they did interesting work. I don't know. It's just one of those things. It's just a, it's a bummer, you know? It is. It sucks. And, yeah, it was the same thing for me where Audio Slave was really my gateway to, to Chris Cornell. I had I had heard some of the, the popular... Um, Soundgarden stuff, but had never gotten really, really into it. I think we were kind of a little bit too young for that, um, and all we could really do is go and revisit some of those things. But it's interesting because, um, like you said, one of the best rock singers, I yeah. think, maybe of all time. I think he's right up there with Robert Plant as as like the guy you'd want as a frontman of a rock band. Like this dude, what he he looked the part and he could back it up. Vocal wise, so he, one of the best. He really, they, I agree on both counts. And what's really, really interesting to me about Chris Cornell and Soundgarden also is, I listened to, um, I subscribed to Mark Maron's podcast, and they reposted an episode from two years mm. ago when Cornell was interviewed by Mark Maron, mm. and um, he was talking about the fact that they came up in the Seattle indie circuit, like they were part of, like they were. Part of that indie scene, the sub pop scene, the really early part of of that developing, and he was like basically saying people didn't know what to make of us because we didn't like Soundgarden didn't fit in with those sounds really, and they were described by some people as like Led Zeppelin in a good way because right. in, in especially then at the end of the eighties when so many bands appropriated Zeppelin yep. style for just excess and yep. ridiculous, just absurd over the top content. Um, to sound like Zeppelin was a like a black mark, right. especially on an indie band. Right. But he was talking about the fact that somehow they kind of just got accepted, and they it was seen as like they do it in an interesting way. And like yeah, you know. it, it seems like Soundgarden, they're like their own unique thing. They're hard to categorize. They were just I think by default lumped in with the the grunge movement. And you could say the same thing about any band that's in the quote unquote grunge movement yeah. where you could say well Nirvana wasn't really or Pearl Jam wasn't really, but they all kind of got lumped in together. They're all very different bands. Yeah, to to that exact point, I've always used that example of like when people talk about grunge Like, if you take Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and Pearl Jam, none of those bands really sound anything alike. Other than that, they play guitar-based rock music. Yeah, so if you take it one step in further, accepting that it's guitar-based rock, and say, like, well, do they sound similar given those confines? I've never really thought any of them were that similar. I I haven't either. Yeah, they're all different. Um, And, and yeah, I think that's that's something that happens with Soundgarden is they get lumped in with that, and they get compared to the Cobains and the Eddie Vedders of the world and the Alice in Chains. It's more of just like a... Uh, a regional thing and a time time and a place thing more than a sound thing almost but um, yeah Chris Cornell though I, I think he meant something different to different people depending on how old you are what type of music fan you were but I think it's to his credit as as a musician the talent that he was that he can mean so much to different people yeah and I would just say that having listened to that interview I actually listened to it yesterday I was struck by how smart a guy he seemed. Mm. I ne- I guess when I think frontman rock band, I think like that they're not going to be able to somehow explain themselves that well or really have a nuanced take on where they fit in or you know the scene mm-hmm. and all that. Cornell struck me as someone who had a really keen sense of that. Yeah. And he came across really really smart in this interview and like someone who really got it and was actually like a very decent down-to-earth guy so i think i mean based on everything i've seen like tom morello had some social media posts i think people who there have been a lot of tributes i think this is a classic example of like people didn't really know what they had till it was gone with this guy which is really really sad because i he was quite a talent and it seemed like he was a, a really awesome dude yeah absolutely um so, yeah, a couple sad news items that we started the show with, but let's move on to some happier talk. Let's yeah. let's do a hot thoughts segment on one of, honestly, my favorite albums of the year, mm-hmm. I think, uh, is this new Alex G, uh, sorry, Sandy Alex G album, uh, Rocket. So this came out this past Friday. Um, I had... Heard some buzz about this prior to the album release uh, with a couple of the singles that had been released. And uh, I was very, very excited for it. Um, The album does not disappoint. Like I said, it's one of my favorites of the year. I think it's really, really good. Uh, 
here's something for you, Jake. Things music critics love. This is a genre agnostic album. There's a lot of different sounds happening here. What are your thoughts? I agree. And so Alex G, it seems, is somewhat lumped into the like emo or punk scene, yeah. or as like a contemporary of that scene. Um, and I have having never really listened to much of his music before this, I never really knew why or whether he fit in. It does seem like he's going for very different things on this album. Because yeah. um, like you said, I mean, a song like Proud or Bobby have more of a rootsy kind of vibe to him, almost country or old school folk thing going on. And then you have a song like Sports Star with its auto-tune mm. or Brick, Brick, which reminds me of like mid-90s rap by Beck. Like it if you think of a song yeah. like Novocaine or something. Yeah, it also reminds me of Beastie Boys if they were playing in a basement and you were standing outside and could only hear the muffled uh, concert or Death Grips even. Yeah, that's a I great... Saw, I saw something funny on, on Reddit. Someone was like... Uh, Alex G put out the best Death Grip song of 2017. It's like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Another thing I'm struck with by this is, and again, having almost no previous experience with Alex G, other than the singles, which I only listened to a couple times, he's a great songwriter, it seems. Seriously. I mean, like, I, I gotta go back and revisit some of his old stuff because I really like a lot of what he's doing on yeah. here. And, I mean, I've seen some criticism on the less than glowing reviews that say, like, it doesn't feel like, like there are songs where it's, it's not cohesive. Yeah, it's not yeah, cohesive I, or whatever. I, I think that's a fair criticism. And I think this album could be even better if the track listing kept all of the same sounding songs together and then left the other stuff for another half, almost have it feel like a part A, part B type of thing. I can so see I think, that. I think that's a, maybe a fair criticism here. That being said, I, I, like, I don't really care about that, though. I don't I either. enjoy it. Either way. It feels like part of its charm. And again, I'm right. only a week in with it. I'm only a handful of listens into this album at this point. But it does seem as though the diversity that he's able to bring to the table. Because like he'll reference jazz a little bit in one song. Mm. He'll reference old school rap a little bit in another. He'll go full country, it seems, with another song. I th it, he's kind of showing his versatility. And not to reference Beck again, but another thing that it reminds me of. And I'm sure there are better references. But... Some of those mid-90s Beck albums, like Odelay, for example, he'd have a song where he's basically doing kind of a country song. Right. And then on another, he's doing basically a straight-up rap song. Right. And it kind of... It, this album itself doesn't remind me of Beck, but it reminds me of albums that he would make, where it was like... Yeah. He's kind of just taking this meld of all these different genres and like spitting out what what comes out, and it's actually I think it's really interesting to listen as that, a result. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You brought up a good point before, where Alex G has been name dropped so many times as part of like the underground punk community and as kind of this like big influence on a lot of the bands that we like and that we talk about a lot. Because Cam, big friend of the pod, big uh, friend of the pod of Sorority Noise was in on this and was telling us about this before he's like, Alex G, new album's gonna be really, really good. He's referencing that Symbols E guitarist song. That's right. He Alex G seems like someone who and again, I don't know how off base this is, it seems like everyone in that scene respects him and wants to be able to say they're affiliated or, or, or reference him in some way. It seems like he's kind of a cool reference to throw out there for other artists. Yeah, and I, I was kind of surprised at the sound of this album based off of that. I was like, all right, contemporary of Symbols E Guitars, contemporary of that Philadelphia kind of yeah. rock scene. And then to have the lead single for this be Bobby, which features acoustic guitars and like a fiddle or violin yeah. or whatever... And then have the next single be Proud, which is along the same vein. Like, very surprising. Fun fact, really quick, about fiddle and violin. I, I, I think it was within the last year I found out there's actually no difference okay. at all, except uh, the style of play. I was going to ask you that. It's, I, I don't know I, what... I, the, I didn't know that either. It's literally the same instrument. The okay. only difference is the style of play okay. that you do. So like a, this is more accurately a fiddle. A fiddle. Okay. Yeah. Which is really, really funny to me. I have to say, Bobby is one of my favorite songs of the year. That violin fiddle, if you will, Jake, on there is awesome. That like riff, it, whatever the like the violin riff is. I don't know if that's what you'd call it, if it's a violin, but Bobby's one of my favorite it songs is. of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's going to end up being up there for me too. I think Proud will as well. Yeah. Um, I also love some of the songs on the back half. I like Guilty a lot. I think Alina's yeah. a really cool song. Powerful um, Man is is up there for me too. Uh, uh, there, so there's there's a couple parts of this album I just want to shout out really quick. So on Proud, 
the melody, like the the chorus on that, yeah. is really cool because it like goes on longer than you'd think it would. I don't wanna na, 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 and it keeps and it keeps going, and I love how it gets to the end, and it's it goes like if I fuck up, yeah, ooh, and he just yeah. ooze through the melody for like longer than you'd expect. And what it does is it's a really cool move. If I'm thinking of the same point you are, where he does that and he keeps doing the ooh, and it just sort of becomes a part of the background yes, noise yeah. under everything yeah. else. I, I look forward to that part every single time. It I is really cool. And then on Powerful Man, there's this one line. I don't even know why it affects me so much. But when he goes, he's talking about, like, someone who's, like, headed to jail, basically, for a long time. And uh, he's like, a brother is a, is a brother, and that is that. Like, just, yeah. I'm going to stand by you. Cause like, I, and I don't know if he's talking about it in the context of, like, you're my actual brother, or you're just, like, my best friend. And yeah. you're talking about, like, that way. But that line, like, gets me. And, and, and um, really, really good on there. Sports Star is, is another highlight, I was about too. to bring up Sports Star. I think, like, it's really interesting to me that he can bring auto-tune and that kind of sound into this. And I, I was all in on it the first time I ever heard it. Me too, it. Yeah, yeah. It seemed, based on Ian Cohen's review in, in Pitchfork, um, which I read some of, not all of, he called that a questionable move. I don't yeah. know if that means, like, questionable in a it-worked-out-anyway type of way, or if he means, like, ah, it's I one of my weak points. I didn't know how to take that because... For the most part, I've just seen nothing but positives for Sports Star, other than the fact that people say it feels a lot different than the rest of the album, which is fine. But, but it's so does Brick. Yeah, but it's it's a really, really good song. So does Witch. So does County. Like, you know, so. There's a lot of different things yeah. that just feel different. Even Guilty, which has more like jazzy flourishes, right. feels like it's not as much of an outlier, but it's even that feels sort of different. Yeah. You know what's interesting on Sports Star? Um, definitely towards. The second half of that song, there's some drums that come in that remind me of the drums from like One Dance or one of those oh, okay. like island themed Drake songs, like the doo like like. That would make sense. It, he Alex G has collaborated with Frank Ocean, Frank Ocean. right? So Played guitar like, on uh, one of the songs on. Blog. And that's what yeah. I'm getting at is there's something about like about Alex G where it seems people just like who are in the know get that he's this right. talent or whatever. Like, how did Frank Ocean find out about Alex G? Dude, I don't know. You know what I mean? And it just seems like, even though I didn't really know who he was for a long time and had never really listened to him, even I knew that was a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we'd never listened to full albums. And, and from what I understand in my limited Alex G knowledge and fandom, I, I guess Rocket is, like, the place to start, actually, if you're oh, really? not really a fan. I, from what I've heard, this is his most complete work. Um... So I, I would recommend checking this out if you like folk, country, genres in general. Like, if you like music, I think you'll like this album. No, I agree. I, it's a highlight for me, too, and I'm looking forward to seeing how far it can climb in my ranks. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Definitely a couple songs on here are going to rank in my top ten favorite songs of the year. Because it already feels like an album where, even if there's some songs I don't know if I love right. love yet, I just love being in this album. Yes, that's a great that's a great great point. And that's um, always a really really good sign for an album, a full length album. Some of the ones that you might not love, they're short enough where you're like, ah, it'll be over soon, and I'll get to fucking Sports Star, or I'll get to you know this other song that I love. So I agree, the feel of this album is very good, and that's very important. Um, so that was Hot Thoughts. Let's get into a little show-and-tell preview of Boston Calling, Jake. So this is, I would say, one of the biggest festivals in our area. I think uh, in the Northeast in general, we're not necessarily known for music festivals. We don't have a Lollapalooza. We don't have a Bonnaroo. We don't have a Coachella to hang our hat on. We have Boston Calling, and we probably have, what, Newport Folk Fest? Both of which we're going to this year. Right, and but Boston Calling's been showing us something because... Yeah. And I've never been before. I know you've been to a couple, or a few even, um, of the of Boston Calling um, festivals. Yep. But uh, th this year especially, the lineup came out and was big news in the music, just sort of industry and on music Twitter. It kind of blew up because it is loaded yeah, with... It is. Top to bottom, from like the higher end acts like Bonnie Vare and um, I mean Tool is one of them, or Chance the Rapper, Solange, like people who are more famous, and then all the way down to like Pop the Hotelier, mm -hmm. Mitski, artists that 
we really like and that are maybe not as famous but are huge in those scenes. Yeah. Um, for that reason, it it has like, a, in my opinion, an amazing lineup. Agreed. It spans a lot of different genres and there's a lot to like here depending on who you are as a music fan and I think if you've listened to the podcast and you know our tastes a lot of that is hit on here where you have those like you said those rock artists that we really really like in kind of that emo scene one of the best represented festivals for the emo scene actually you because you had mentioned you have the hotel year and you know pup is kind of more punk but a lot of that is reflected here but you also have some of those heavy hitters like you know everybody likes mumford and sons you know like everybody can get down with chance everyone can listen to the xx and find something that they like so there's a lot here to like um and i in I think we have some some fun preview questions. Yeah, and I was I was also going to bring up that speaking of that emo scene, uh, if you remember, Modern Baseball was originally on the lineup too. That's right. Which was another just feather in That's the cap. Right. It, it was we joked when this lineup came out, we were like, you just kept forgetting all of the great bands that were on it That's because right. it seemed endless. It seemed like every time you looked, there was another new one. Yep. Even though it was the same list you kept seeing. Yep. But yeah, we have some categories on here um, yeah. to, to sort of preview. What's our first one? Um, so the first one we're talking is artist we're most excited to see. Uh, so Sean, who do you got? So again, because there's so many people that we enjoy here, this is a really tough one. I could have gone a lot of different ways with this. And the one that I'm picking might surprise some people. Um, I'm, actually, I'm actually most excited to see Pup, a punk band who is slated to go on Sunday at 2 o'clock p.m. This wouldn't normally seem like one you'd be most excited for, but from what I understand, um, Pup puts on an amazing live show. They put, on one of, they put out one of my favorite albums of 2016. Uh, they bring a lot of energy. I haven't been able to see them before, unlike a lot of the artists that are already scheduled. So Pup is up there for me as one of my most anticipated. The other one, if I had to pick, is actually Wolf Parade, who are also on Sunday, uh, a little bit later on in the day. They've gotten back together recently, put out one of my favorite albums of the 2000s, uh, put out a great EP last year. So uh, I I expect good things from that show as well. I, I agree. It was tough for me to pick because, like we said, it's so stacked. There's so many different artists I am interested in seeing. The one I ended up picking is Bonnie Vare for a couple reasons. One, um, and the primary reason, is that I've never seen Bonnie Vare in concert, and I'm really excited. One of my favorite artists of the last 10 years. Um, super excited to see what they bring to the table live. Uh, second, it's uh, they're on in the evening on Friday. Yeah. I know that I'm going to be feeling good. Yep. It's going to be the first night there. It's going to you know just have that Friday yep. vibe, and yep. it's a longer set. And I feel like they're going to be able to explore. I'm just interested to see what they'll play because I like like I said, I've never seen a Bonnie Vare show, and I don't really have a lot of context. And I, I'm I'm just really excited for that one. Bonnie Vare is up there for me too, and the only reason why I didn't pick him as one of my top two spots is because I, I I've seen Bonnie Vare before a few years ago. Um, they put on a great show. Yeah, really really good. They'll do some different versions of songs that you know and love, like the version, the live version of. Uh, skinny love that they end up doing it's not a straightforward acoustic they, they're bringing in different sounds and stuff and That's it's a cool. little it's they do really really cool stuff um perth was like a life-changing live song to hear so bonnie Vare is gonna bring it and then that goes right into chance the rapper which i'm i'm also really excited for i because i've never i've been, never been to a rap show live ever that's a great point I have been to one that I can think of. I saw, it's actually crazy to think. I saw Kendrick and Kanye yeah. um, at, at the, the Garden in Boston. Um, actually, that same year, Kendrick Lamar actually came to UNH, if you remember. That's crazy. Isn't that insane? Yeah, it is. I, I realized that when I flipped through an old magazine from UNH the other day, he was there my senior year. And wow. I didn't go because I was like, oh, I already saw him right, open right, for, right, for, right. for Kanye. Wow. So, so yeah, Bonnie Vare for me. Um, our next category... Is worse stage conflict. So at any music festival, you got to deal with the fact that sometimes two artists you really like, they're playing at the same time. Mm-hmm. You can't see both. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you do? So what do you have, Sean? As your worst conflict? Well, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know me, Jake. You know me. You know I am most excited for Mac DeMarco and Solange, and they're on at the same time. What? What, what am I? Do? What am I supposed to do here, Jake? Here, I have a solution for you. What's that? You're gonna have to just skip both. <laughs> 
In fairness, <laughs> in, no, no, I'm serious. In fairness to both of them, you're gonna have. That's when you're gonna take a bathroom break, head out, leave the grounds completely, grab a bite. An expression I actually hate. And right. then come back to the grounds. Obviously, we're being facetious here because if you've listened to the podcast, you know my war that I've raged against Mac DeMarco. And you know how lukewarm I am on Solange, even though I bet she'd probably put on a good show. No, my my biggest um, uh, stage conflict here is actually Run the Jewels and Wolf Parade. And this isn't because it's a hard decision for me between the two of them. It's because I know... Basically, all of my friends who I'm going to be going to this um, festival with are going to go see Run the Jewels. Yeah. And it's probably just going to be me going to see Wolf Parade. I, I think I'm hands down the biggest Wolf Parade fan who's going. And I think you all like Run the Jewels a little bit more than, a lot more than I do. Yeah. So that might be one where like we get split up. Um, and it's like, it's, it's an almost direct stage conflict, yeah. too, where. The overlap, Run the Jewels starts, I think, 15 minutes. Uh, no, it looks like a half hour before Wolf Parade, but that, it, it's going to be tough to actually... Yeah, so it's probably just going to be... Oh, no, 10 minutes before Wolf it's, Parade. It's probably just going to be me over at Wolf Parade, which I'm totally okay with. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Run the Jewels. I don't know who's yeah. going to... No, I don't think anyone will, will go see Wolf and Parade. And that is, I mean, that's one that's tough for, like, I would see Wolf Parade. I'd gladly go yeah. check them out. I like a lot of their songs, but I, like, for, I, Run the Jewels has been a bigger deal for me, I right. think. For me, the ones I picked were a couple smaller ones. So on, I believe it is Friday? Or is it set Sunday? Sunday. Sunday. Um, you have an overlap between Pup and Mitski. Yeah, um, that's I know, tough. That's a tough one. I know it's not as direct. So you have Pup on from two o'clock to two thirty-five, and then Mitski's two twenty to three o five. So it's not terrible. It's not terrible, but if you stay for all of Pup, you're gonna miss at least half of Mitski. And, and we don't know what the layout's gonna be yet. Yeah. So it's like, well, maybe it takes me ten minutes to walk over to the right. Mitski skate stage. Yeah. So like who knows? Pup's on the blue stage, Mitski's on the red stage. Yeah. And I'll probably have been at the blue stage anyways because the hotel year opens there. That's right. And that's what I'm Oh sorry Jake, with. you mean the Delta Blue stage? Oh sorry. In the Xfinity Red Stage? Uh, sorry. They paid a lot for that branding they Jake. Did, you they should did. call it by their correct names. We'll pay them out for that's their right. for what their uh, for their time. That's right. Um, but yeah, that is that's a tough one. That that would probably be my actual biggest um, dilemma. It, but Pup is one of my most anticipated bands to see there. Yeah. So are you here's my question. Yeah. Are you gonna Try to catch any of. Are you gonna just try to catch the end? Like how how do you handle it? I think what I'm gonna do is probably. I don't know because like I there's no way to do half and half. You because can't. You, you can't because you can either stay for all of Pup and then you get half of Mitski, or you can leave Pup early and get all of Mitski. I'm I'm gonna see all of Pup. They're one of my most anticipated. I can't miss any of that. I'm gonna see all of them. It's only they're only on for like 35 minutes. Yeah, I can and see then I'm doing just gonna that catch too. the rest of Mitski. That's gonna have to be how it is. I can see doing that too. So here's another one for you. Friday. Um, at 5.15 to 6.05, Car Seat Headrest takes the blue stage, the Delta Blue stage. <laughs> um, starting only 25 minutes later, Sylvanesso takes to the red stage, the Xfinity red stage. Yeah, that's all a tough the, one. All the while, uh, you have Hannibal Burris hosting the comedy thing uh, with Pete Holmes I didn't realize and this. Lamont Price, who I, I love. I Both of them. I didn't realize this. So this is... what. A, so what... What is your so here? Here's the deal. I love that Hannibal Burris is headlining the comedy special on Saturday, in kind of a dead yes. zone. Yes, and he's only hosting the rest. So like, I'm not gonna miss much. I think that this three way split right here has the potential for the most separation of our friend group. That's I going. agree. We're going with five friends. I think we might see like a one one, or like a one two two split on this. Um, yeah. Because the thing is, is, like, I really like Pete Holmes. I want to see his set. I want to see what that's all about. And then e even remove the comedy from it. It's tough because there's that overlap with Carseed Hedris and Sylvanesso. I think this is an example of one where I'm going to flat out miss one of them. Yeah, my plan for this, i got to be honest with you, I'm just going to completely skip the comedy portion of this on Friday. I'm going to make that maybe more of a focus on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I can't miss Carseed Headrest. I love Carseed. And I'd really like to see some of those Sylvanesso songs played live. And I think that will be a cool live show to see. All right, I'm making a plan here. From 5 to 5.15, Hannibal Burris hosts and kicks it off. Maybe I skip that because I know he's right. going to do his set the next right. day. 
and I just go right to car seat, which starts at 5.15. I'm there until 5.40. I catch some of Sylvanesso until about 6.10. I head over to the stage to see Pete Holmes, who I like. He starts at 6.15. Might have to be a little bit of separation there. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good plan. I think that's plan. my strategy. It's a good plan. It's not ideal. Yeah, that's a good plan. That's that's a big conflict right there. Friday's a stacked day. It um, is, and and just objectively in terms of the schedule, and we'll get to this later. The best day in terms of like how I'm going to be feeling and how into it I'm going to be. And that directly leads to our next category here. Mm-hmm. What do you think the best day will be? Ah. Jake's answer is clearly Friday. I jumped the gun. Yeah, so my answer is Friday because I think that Friday and Sunday are the best two days. Saturday's the worst in terms of the lineup, in my opinion. Or the weakest, or the one that's least packed with artists I'm interested in. Friday and Sunday are comparable, and I just know that my mood on Friday will not be infected by Sunday scaries at all. Yeah. Um, and that Sunday it will be a little bit, even though we have Monday off from Memorial Day. I just know that I'll have that kind of downer vibe about this is almost over yeah why do anything because it just ends what about you i have a similar mindset here i think the lineup on sunday is actually the strongest especially the delta blue stage jake we have the hotel year we have pop you pop over to the xfinity red stage for a little bit to see mitski and then you're right back with frightened rabbit wolf parade weezer all on the blue stage so the, here's another. So that's a potential conflict that would have happened for a lot of people. Is that Weezer Major Lazer conflict? Major Lazer. Who is Major Lazer? All I know is that Major Lamer is more like it. You know what? I don't think I'm alienating the the Major Lazer well, heads. What I was listen. about to say is I don't think anything we've ever said has been more in touch. <laughs> um, no, because Major Lazer is insanely popular. I've never listened. I don't to know it. who that is. It's I fuck that whoever that is. Yeah, fuck right. That. I'm gonna go see Weezer. Here's my question for you: On Sunday, are you interested in catching Tool? Oh, we're not sticking around for Tool. I think some of the members of our friend group like Tool. Fuck. So you're not gonna. You don't want to. I would stay. rather not stick around for Tool. You want to leave? <laughs> I would rather leave. Well, because they're on until almost 11 p.m. Yeah, they're, they're on, on for, all, 10, for an 15. hour and a half. Uh, we'll have to figure that out when the time comes. But here's here's the thing. I think Friday will be the best day because the lineup is comparable. But you made a great point. No Sunday scaries. No three days of drinking and, and being up late and not sleeping well and just kind of being sick of being at this festival. Just weighing on you. Weighing on you. Wanting it to kind of probably be over because you're tired. But the potential for like one fight with a friend. Yeah. Like none of that's going to be happening on Friday and for that reason Friday is probably going to be the best day. Yeah. It's the best day yeah. in general of these three days. I like Friday night better than I even like Saturday. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Because um, of because of, I know what's coming. Right. Which is Saturday which I like less. Right. That's a that's a great point. It's a really uh, a healthy cycle. I, I was gonna say we're, we're a little unhealthy the way we look at this. Uh, next category we have something non musical that you are looking forward to, or I'm gonna amend this to be something non performance wise that you're looking forward to. So not the comedy, not the music, not yes. not any of the artists that are gonna be there. What is something else you're looking forward to? Is For, it the food? Is it, you know, what is it? Well the food is a is a, if you know me, a strong contender uh, <laughs> for this. But what I chose instead is actually that anticipation and excitement of the drive down to Boston. So for reference for listeners who aren't familiar with the area, we live in Manchester, New Hampshire, which is like an hour, 45 minutes from Boston. The drive down and like the jokes, the conversations, yep. listening to some of the music, talking about what we're all excited for is going to be awesome. I'm smiling just thinking yep. about it. It's always my favorite part of these trips. And again, maybe has something to do with my unhealthy relationship <laughs> with time off and how it, right. my favorite part is just when it's farthest from being done. <laughs> right. We were just joking before, and I have a vacation coming up, and I said the week before you go on vacation when you're still at work is better than vacation. <laughs> it is. The earlier the better for me. The earlier right. the better. Right. Mid-vacation? I'm, I just would rather go back to work. <laughs> Plan another vacation. Seriously. Um, so the, one of the non-musical things that I'm looking forward to sounds really unhealthy. Just drinking. Just uh, drinking outside with friends. You know, having a good time. Because honestly, like if you look at Saturday... Um, Saturday afternoon, there's a big gap in, like, people that I really, really care about. That's get drunk time. So that's, like, just hang out with friends outside. Hopefully it's a nice day. Get some beers. Joke around. Have some music playing in the background that, like, you're not super invested in. 
just hanging out. That that's like that's like my most anticipated. Drinking is a big thing to look forward to, Sean. But here's our next category. We got to go other side of the coin. Yeah. What's something that you're dreading about going yeah. to the festival? This is a good question um, because we've talked a lot about how festivals can or, or music in live music in general can be very tiring. Yes. Um, so for me, one of the things that I am dreading is that tired burnt out feeling on Sunday Sunday afternoon where you're like I kind of just want to go home right now it's been three days of this I'm okay and we're only 15 minutes into tool <laughs> right and I want to die so the other thing is potentially poor weather I you know we're gonna be outside this whole time I'm really hoping it doesn't rain I the forecast Looks like rain on Friday, though. It does. So it, bring your umbrellas, folks. It, it, it looks like, and that may be the reason, maybe maybe Saturday is going to end up being the best day. I because know. you know what Saturday will be, will be full of is us just drinking and hanging yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Like, and just having background that's, music and a couple true. bands we really like. That's Less true. stressful. Maybe that, Saturday's the best there day. Because there is pressure when there's bands oh, yeah. you love yep. to be like, I got to get a good spot. I got to be locked in on this. You know who we are during music festivals when there's a day packed? We're. The dad in any movie where a family goes on vacation, and the dad has a dossier, has a whole yeah. agenda. <laughs> yes. By one twenty-five, yes. we'll be at the world's biggest uh, ball of twine. Right. By four thirty-eight on the dot, we'll be at the Grand Canyon. Right. There, we'll have one photo op and time for a quick, you know, detour to the gift shop, and then we're back on the road. Right. Inevitably, his plans get shot because the variable in the situation is other people, your loved ones and your friends, <laughs> right. who fuck up your plan. Right? There's gonna be there's gonna be some of that stress for us. Definitely, and and, and you and I, I think we're self aware enough to know that we we analyze and plan things too much. Yep. And uh, that can suck the fun out of situations like this. You mean? Wait, hold on. Just to clarify, yeah, you mean not everyone finds meticulous planning and agenda making fun? No, weirdly they don't. Huh. Weirdly they don't. And that, that doesn't make sense to me. What ends up being the most fun, Jake, is when you just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. You let whatever's going to happen happen, and that is why Saturday could maybe end up being more fun. Case in point. One of the best moments of Newport Folk last year ended up being the Edward Sharp and the Magnetic yes, Zeros performance. Exactly. Which we just kind of stayed. We were like, ah, nothing we, we have we to get to. a lot. And we stayed, and it was one of the best performances I we saw. I completely agree. So that's a great point. So what I'm dreading, uh, standing a lot, mm. which is going to be a big part of any concert, but especially a music festival. And it's really just because I'm lazy. Yeah. And I'm an elderly man both in body and spirit. <laughs> um, and the other thing that I said, but I kind of covered this already, is just that creeping feeling that it'll all be over soon and I'll have to right. go back to work. Why, but why, why do we even bother going? Why go? I should just work through the weekend. You should. Because I'm, I, I'm just in back at work. <laughs> Time is a circle. Uh, okay, here's, here's one for you, Jake. Most under-the-radar artist. And what I mean by this is an artist that maybe isn't one of our most anticipated that to your point earlier, you kind of forget about yep. that is even on the bill. Who who's one of these for you? This one for me, I, I used sort of the logic of Saturday to go along with this because I'm looking at Tegan and Sarah yes. as mine. Yes, yes, Queen. <laughs> they go on at 5:20 to 6:20 on Saturday afternoon. They're in between a bunch of artists that I don't really care to see oh, that Jake, much. Oh, you mean you don't care about Brandy Carlisle or Majid Jordan or Nathaniel Rateliff in the Night Sweats? Um, not especially. I might try to catch some of Danny Brown. I know you're yeah, not a fan. Yeah, I, Dan, Danny Brown's one of those that I want to be like standing far enough away where I can hear him, but yeah. also be joking around and talking with friends. Yeah, I want to get catch some of his Xanax flow. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna, I think Tegan and Sarah is a, is a good... Um, they're a good artist for a festival setting, yes. especially with that new album that we both loved last year. Going to be a lot of jams, a lot of bangers that they're going to be playing. It's going to be right as afternoon becomes evening mm. on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I think we'll have a few drinks in us mm -hmm. probably, mm -hmm. which we've mentioned maybe one too many times <laughs> to be healthy. Um, and I just think that it's something that everyone can kind of generally enjoy. And then right after, I'll head over to catch Hannibal Burris. I'll leave yeah, a little that, early from Tegan yeah. and Sarah. Catch Hannibal Burris' set. I think that's going to be a nice little... That's going to be a good point on Saturday. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. What was yours? Uh, mine's actually Frightened Rabbit. Right. Um, i, I got to be honest. 
as much as I love this band, I actually forgot they were even going to be there until I recently looked at the Sunday schedule again. And I was like, oh my god, the Delta Blue stage features Frightened Rabbit on 4 o'clock on Sunday. Sean, but they're going up against Flatbush Zombies. Are you oh, going to be able to make that call? How can I forget? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, definitely Frightened Rabbit for okay. me. Okay. So, I don't know anything about Flatbush Zombies I, I, at all. And one of the reasons why. Frightened Rabbit is one of my most under-the-radar artists is because I've already seen them twice. Um, they put on a great show, but when I'm thinking about who I'm most excited for, it's the people I haven't seen or I've only seen once. Um, but I would say they're most under-the-radar because I know I'm going to get a great performance out of them. I know I'm going to love all the songs. They're at a good point in the afternoon. So Frightened Rabbit is my most under-the-radar artist. Moving on to our next category, we have two... Over-unders for the festival. Mm. These are more fun over-unders. It's going to be hard to gauge because it's going to be honor system. Right. Um, but here's one, Sean. Over-under 1.5 people that you will personally witness throwing up or passed out each day. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Each day, the over would be two for the day. Each day. Oh, I thought we were talking total. Well, think about how many people are going. Like you said, thousands. And there's yeah. going to be drinks afloat. There's going to be drugs. Yeah. You might see some pastel people. You might see someone throwing up. You never know. So fun fun little quick aside here. The first Boston Calling I went to, Trevor Powers, Youth Lagoon, was there. He was already drinking during his afternoon set. He's a small guy, by the yep. way. Doesn't seem good. And uh, by the time the headliner had gone on later that night... I saw him being carried off by security in God knows what state of mind. And see, Sean, this would count towards everyone's over. That's true. Because everyone personally witnessed that. That's true. I'm going to go under on this, though. I, I, I'm going to go under. I, I, I just don't think I'm going to see that many people doing um, being that incapacitated. Okay. Um, I guess just for fun, I'll take the over. Okay. All right. And we'll see, we'll see what ends up happening there. So that's two people each day that you have to see, like, on the brink of... Like, they, they have like to be really, really, really drunk. They're almost dead. They, well, they, have, they have alcohol poisoning, basically, you're, is what you're telling Right. Me. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some candidates in our group of friends for this. <laughs> <laughs> for this possibility. And that's that's which... Yeah, that's true. That's it would be true. funny if I made myself throw up twice <laughs> Sean, each day. Sean. To, Sean, take a look. <laughs> Just to win the over-under, that doesn't matter. <laughs> Here's, here's our last category for Boston Calling. This is a fun one. Over, under, three and a half people you will see that you know that you didn't go with. So these are people who are acquaintances, maybe friends, maybe coworkers, past coworkers, whatever it might be, that you personally know that you didn't end up going with. Okay, so there, there's a loophole here, and this might not be that interesting for listeners that don't know us personally but just for reference there are five of us going in total we got you and me got our friends logan mitch and josh so that's the group now if britney's there yep matt is there some of the people those who, don't count those don't count those don't count okay so this is total for the whole festival yep. for all three days yep um because we already know a big friend of the pod kelsey is yep. gonna be there yep. i already know a couple co-workers are going to be there on Sunday. So this might be variable for both of us. Yeah. So it depends. I, I'll take an under. I, I'm going over here. I, okay. I'm pretty confident I'm, I'm going to hit the over. I think I'm going to see four people. I am not confident that I will hit the over. I think Kelsey's the only person I can think of who I've, okay. am yeah. not going to the show with okay. that I that will be there. Okay. I'll probably walk into like a horde of... I'll walk, up to, I'll walk into five coworkers the first second through the gate. I, I'm going over on this. The whole week. That's like... Just over one person per day. I think I can. I can manage that. You're gonna be seeking them out. You're gonna I'm miss. Be, yeah. You're gonna I, miss I some shows. I know. I'm gonna be up on the fucking stage That's looking. Right. Uh, so that is our Boston Calling preview. We will be back next week to talk about what actually happened with it. We'll assess some of these over unders and talk about who our favorites were. Um, I have a two truths and a lie, Jake. That is very, very closely related to this. All right. This is about Boston Calling. All right, so this is actually the Boston Calling segment continues. It does continue. So we're doing two truths and a lie with Boston Calling. Are you ready? Try me. Okay. Number one, Aaron Dessner of The National helped co-found the Boston Calling Music Festival and remains a co-curator of the lineup each year. Okay. Number two, The National are the only artist to play Boston Calling twice since it started in 2013. Okay. Number three, Crash Line Productions, the company that helps put on Boston Calling each year, 
is also involved in putting on the Justin Vernon curated Eau Claire Festival in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Hmm. Hmm. So you have number one, Aaron Dessner, co-founder, co-curator. Number two, national only artist to play Boston Calling twice since it started. Number three, the production company that puts it on also helps put on the Justin Vernon Eau Claire Festival. All right. I don't have a great sense. I won't lie to you. Okay. So I'm going to have to <laughs> okay. go on gut alone, okay. and I'm going to have to try to use some multiple cho- multiple choice test okay. logic here. Okay. You're stalling. I am. I'm going to go with number two as false, that they're the only band to play it twice. It seems like a possibility there could be others that have played it twice, and I'm going to go with that. Okay. You're correct. I am. You got it. We fought. It's been weeks since we've had a correct guess here. The last one was you. So this feels fair. This feels balanced. You are correct. So Aaron Dessner is a co-founder and a co-curator. Okay. Crashline Productions also does put on the Eau Claire Festival. This is correct. The only other artist to play Boston Calling twice is of Monsters and Men. Wow. Okay. Because to be honest with I've you, I've seen them both times. Because to be honest with you, I thought it was going to be there were several more that had played it. Just twice. one. How many years has it been going on? Five since 2013. So there there Four used years. to be two per year. Um, they've switched just to one. It's like a bigger one now. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've seen. I saw the national twice there, and I've seen of Monsters and Men twice there now. Wow. Oh, well, that was a good one. And yeah. you, you, I mean, to be fair, you probably had me stumped. The only reason I went for number two is that. My gut about multiple choice is that anyone that's like something that's like they're the only one to yes, have done this, or very smart. there has never been a this. Very usually smart. that'll be a distractor. So that's very what I'm very with. smart. Just a little SAT prep. Seri- no, listeners. seriously, that's a that's a good one. You know, Sean, maybe what we should do, just throwing it out there, mm-hmm. um, be brutally honest about this. Mm-hmm. Maybe we start an SAT prep podcast on oh. the side. We we'll record those on Wednesdays. I I like that Thoughts. and really will just repeat that piece of advice uh, about the multiple choice. Big shout out to Miss Gay, 8th grade, religion class teacher, church history, told me that if there's ever, if it's ever all of the above as an option, it's always that. Really? Or it's almost always that, which is actually bad advice because it's not always that. Yeah, and that's actually having that knowledge scares me a little bit because now I'm going to double, I'm going to second guess myself more. Right. What I always love is when I got in all of the above and I saw two that I knew for a fact were true. You're just like, hell yeah. (laughs) Bang. (laughs) D. A big Marv Albert. Bang. Yep. All right, so that was Two Truths and a Lie. Jake got it correct. Big congrats to him. Let's wrap up with recommendations of the week. What do you got, Jake? I'm going to cheat and just do two. Okay. Um, because I just am. It's my show in part. One half my show. <laughs> yep. And I feel I can bend the rules. Uh, I saw the movie Guardians of the Galaxy over the weekend. The uh, Well, the sequel, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. They had a great soundtrack with all kinds of 70s songs. Uh, one of my favorite 70s songs of all time is the song Brandy yes. by Looking Glass. Yep. They say, Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good <laughs> wife you would be. Yes, uh, that's a great song. It's awesome and plays a big role in the movie. My second uh, recommendation of the week is the movie Mistaken for Strangers, uh, which Sean and I watched last week. It, it was the first time I'd seen it, I think the second for you. Yes. Yep. Um, and I'd been wanting to see it for years. This is a documentary uh, made by Tom Berninger, the brother of lead singer Matt Berninger of The National. Basically, he followed them on tour as a roadie and without sanction, filmed them throughout the tour and was kicked off the tour and ended up finishing this documentary. Basically, the whole movie was about the dynamic between... It had two major themes. The dynamic between him and his brother and family and how he was kind of the fuck up and Matt was like the golden child and how he is this famous rock star now. And second, it was like a meta documentary about making a documentary. Mm -hmm. Really, really worth the watch Mm -hmm. if you just like documentaries at all. Like music documentaries or like the national. I'd recommend yep. it for any of those. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to wrap up my recommendation of the week, I actually might have given this one before. It seems like once a month I revisit this album. It's Nepenthe by Juliana Barwick. This is what I would recommend as a starter kit for getting into ambient music because mm. there's normal song structures here and there's still some vocals. But it's mostly atmospheric, and it's a lot of just sounds. 
Um, so this is a really good album to listen to if you are working or trying to focus on something, but you're not, you don't want to listen to just a full ambient album. So it's kind of a, a half measure between normal music and ambient music. Uh, Nepenthe, Juliana Barwick, check Very it nice. out. I got I to revisit that one. So good. So good. Um, all right, so we will be back next week. We will recap Boston Calling Music Festival. Uh, and we'll have some new albums to discuss. Hopefully we don't get rained out. Hopefully not. We'll see. See ya. Bye. All right. The mic is on. Okay, the mic's on. And we are on. Okay. For a new episode. Okay. Good. And the beer is flowing. <laughs> beer is flowing. <laughs> a fine pilsner. Let me ask you this, yeah. uh, Sean. Yeah. Do you have nose hairs that are mm. frustrating or annoying at all? Dude, my nose hairs are out of goddamn, goddamn control. So are mine. They're absolutely they, I, I, ludicrous. I had to invest in, in a nose hair trimmer. I have the same. Where it like weed wax the hair in your nose, basically. It kind of hurts every now and then. It like... It sort of hurts and it sort of tickles. Like what ends up happening is my eyes start to water a little bit and I feel like I have to sneeze. That's what ends up happening to me. Well, sometimes when I don't have the trimmer with me because I'm not at the point where I carry it around, I just have to improvise. And I'm like, this hair is visible and annoying. Yeah. I have to just rip it out. Yep. There's no more painful hair to rip out than no, nose hair. No, no, there's not. And, and sometimes what the real inconvenience is that you'll just get like snot or like things attached to the hair Dude, my that nose just hang. is in a constant state of, of snot. Yeah. Like I was, the, the other, like last weekend, we went over to Mary-Kate's mom's house, big friend of the pod, and we pull up and I'm like, oh, hold on, I have something in my nose. I start to wipe both my no- like nostrils with a tissue. Yep. And I'm like picking stuff out deliberately. Yep. I'm like, right. I'm triangulating the snot right. and I'm grabbing it out. <clears throat> More just appears as if oh, magic. Right. The more you try and, and get rid of it, it's like a dam bursting where mm-hmm. like you got your hand in the dike a little bit, but there's more holes popping up everywhere and you can't stop it. it, it it's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. I, like I have a nose hair right now that I feel and I feel like it's tickling under my nose. Yeah. I can't get it. I think there's no greater sign of getting older than having unmanageable nose hairs. I think the next step of that is ear hairs, which I, I don't necessarily have yet. I don't have ear hairs yet, thank God. Unless yeah. I do and... No, I don't, th- I don't think so. I think we're okay for now. I haven't noticed ear hairs. Yeah. Um, basically, I've, I've decided that I just have all of the hair that I don't want mm. and none of the hair I uh, do want. Yeah, yeah. And that will only... It'll manifest in ear hairs, for sure. I'll be a, I'll be a, a beardless... Nose hair, ear hair, chest hair. You know the person. move that you could do to achieve that that luxurious beard that you might want. What's that? Grow out the nose hairs and the eventual ear hairs until they connect and sort of tie them together. Their terminal lengths will be too short, Sean. There's no chance it'll work. Um, yeah, no, I, I've just come to grips with the fact that like... I'm just going to have to hope I don't lose my head hair. Mm. And that's it. That's it. Because if I do, (laughs) I'm not getting by on much else. It's curtains for me. It is. It's over. Maybe you could do like a chest hair. Maybe you could do... Dude. Maybe you could do the old ass hair transplant. Take 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 excess ass hair. Yeah. Put it onto your face. face. (laughs) That's like a jackass skit. But I guess it'll work for me (laughs) as a professional. Right. I don't know. Or maybe I just like bring back the mustache. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The mustache sideburns look. Yeah. You could do that. Yeah. When I uh, grew mine out a little bit, I remember, I think it was Katie, someone. She was like, oh, I like the beard. She's like, you have like a chin strap, but not douchey. And I was like, was like ah, you didn't mean what you said, but. Shaved 15 minutes later. <laughs> I was like, but, but, but what you said hurt <laughs> it's true you meant it as a compliment i took it as it the came, greatest of insults <laughs> it came out completely wrong <laughs> it's fine but yeah uh, chest hair for days nowadays yeah Just like, you know i have a stray one here or there but unbelievable i mean it's just you know i have like four 
Me too. And then like a hundred thousand more. I don't know. I don't know, man. Because the, the really the funny thing is, is like with body hair, like chest hair or back hair, there's nothing you can do to make it look good. Right. You can't. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I don't. Not. I don't know. You can't. No. So you just gotta like have it. No. <laughs> you just yeah. you just gotta like have have body hair. I think this is weighing heavy on your mind. This is the second time you brought it up. I didn't. Well, no, because I want to unbutton my fucking right. shirt to a comfortable place, and I'm like, oh. This is real aggressive yeah. for like coworkers. It's all right. It's okay. Feels like sexually aggressive. It does. Yeah. It just it does. And I'm I have a broad chest. Yeah. It's just very in your face. I don't want like this. You know what oh. I mean? It's too much. It's just it's like basic like so I have very limited options. You could shave it. You could wax it. You could laser that shit off. Maybe that's the play. Laser off my chest hair. <laughs> yeah. I think I now need it as a signal of masculinity. Maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Maybe. maybe. I don't, yeah, I don't know. whatever. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, on that note, let's start the show. Yeah, that was a, that's a good post-show for you. I'm sure everyone enjoyed that, objectively. They're all a little, like, sick. <laughs> They're all a little nauseous, a little queasy. People have, have long ago shut it off. <laughs> Okay, let's start. <clears throat> Ready? Three, two, one.